Welcome once again to another episode of Demand Gen Radio, the one program that brings you all the latest methods and technologies for driving growth and increasing demand. With the voice of Demand Gen, David Lewis. All right, welcome back to another episode of Demand Gen Radio. Back on the program is my partner in crime, Carlos Hidalgo, our Chief Strategy Officer. Carlos, welcome back. Thanks. Always good to talk to you, Dave. Always good to talk to you. And uh, it's it's been a it's been a challenging uh, couple weeks. Um, you guys may have noticed that we did a replay uh, on the podcast. We brought Naomi's episode, which was one of the top performing podcasts so far of 2020, back to you because it was a very very difficult week, not only for the country, but we lost one of our team members here at Demand Gen. Seven-year team member Joe Dale, uh, who passed away unexpectedly, and something I've never experienced in my career. Certainly, as CEO of DemandGen, so I appreciate all of you guys and your your sentiments and thoughts. For those of you who found out, I'm um, very much appreciated. Team is still struggling. Again, just had to take a week off, but brought you an episode that uh, was about a migration, a very important initiative. And I hope you got some value from that. And I know that you guys are getting value from the sessions that we are doing together. Carlos and I, you know how I know that? I would say you probably have a dashboard, Dave, because we always encourage our clients to measure their activities. Just a guess. You are a genius. Yes. Over here, looking on my monitor, I pulled up right before the podcast a dashboard that would tell me how the demand gen radio community is doing in terms of consuming the content that you and I are putting out. And not only are each and every episode of the D3 methodology getting consumed by you guys, it's kind of a mini series within the podcast, but we have been putting um, the materials that we talk about, the D3 methodology deck, our accountability charts, and you guys are consuming this stuff like crazy. I've got a chart here to my right. I wish you all could see, but I'll just, I'll paint a picture for you. Uh, it's a bar chart and it goes from left to right instead of on the uh, y-axis. It's going on the x-axis. And right there at the top, the D3 methodology, a holistic model for maximizing revenue growth, is eight times more consumed in the, la- in the month of May than any other piece of content in our resources hub. And the reason I'm excited about that uh, is a shout out to all of you for consuming it, but because the only way that you can find that, the only way that you can get that piece of content is because you guys are clicking through the details of the podcast episode where we will continue to put links to the materials that we talk about. So bravo to all of you for listening, tuning in, and then go grabbing those materials. And a very big shout out to those of you that are reaching out to Carlos and I on LinkedIn and have asked us to walk you through the D3 methodology. And about a dozen of you so far and we love doing it. And and the feedback has been amazing. We showed Eric Lewis at Ring Central the other day. And he said to us, right, Carlos? He said, man, I wish I had this five years ago. It would have made my job so much easier to explain to the organization all the initiatives we were undertaking for digital transformation. So if you haven't yet dove into the materials, please do. And But thanks for being here with the podcast uh, every week. And Dave, I'll just add, I would love to know for those who have downloaded it and are uh, using it. How are you using it? Are you using it to plan your own demand gen activities? Are you using it to educate your executives, your counterparts in the organization? Or are you using it to train your team? So again, I'm, I'm always curious of how organizations are using the tools that we make available. So if you have the time, shoot Dave and I a note on LinkedIn and just let us know. It'd be good to get that feedback. 
Yeah, we love feedback. And, and we want to say again, this is a journey um, around the D3 methodology. The very first tool sets that Carlos and I worked on was the deck to create the visuals for you coming up with the planetary gear system. But we are practically every week, not only with the podcast, producing materials for you. And I've got a very solid draft of a blog post coming up that dives in deeper because part of the D3 methodology is learning how to explain it to your organization. Uh, and we try to do that here on the podcast, but we also know that some of you are visual learners and, and like to read. So expect to see a lot of content and more tools. But as Carlos said, if you have requests or things that you'd like to see from us, then just shout out because we love, we have a commitment to education and personal development. And that's why we do this every week. Carlos, I want to share one more thing before we dive into one of the D's of D3. Um, you remember on a previous episode, I made reference to our, our friends at, at Serious Decisions Now, Forrester. And I, you know what I said, right? Don't go chasing waterfalls. Yes, I did. I, I got some interesting feedback about that. What people were asking me is, Dave, is it, is it out with the old? You know, is, is the demand funnel, as I call it, as we call it at Demand Gen, uh, is that gone? Absolutely not, you guys. Absolutely not. The Creating a, a taxonomy across sales and marketing is a phenomenal way to integrate your processes and develop a click-to-close conversation that enables you to manage the demand. And so what we are saying, though, is it's not enough. Just having a PowerPoint that looks like a waterfall or a funnel is not enough for you to explain what marketing needs to do and sales needs to do and customer service needs to do to go through digital transformation. And that's what the D3 methodology has been designed to do is to help you identify those initiatives and serve as a blueprint for the journey that you are on. So today we are going to dive into one of the D's and that is demand creation. As you guys know that have been tuning in, the D3 methodology gets its name from three areas or three phases, as sometimes Carlos says, demand creation, demand management, and demand expansion. When you look at the D3 methodology, they are the three planetary gears that surround the ring gear, the ring gear being revenue, the output of this model. And the three planetary gears are all needed to drive and maximize revenue growth. And the first being essential, they're all important, but being essential is driving is driving demand called demand creation. So Carlos, you, I know, have uh, a tremendous passion for, there's, there's 12 uh, areas in, in the demand creation uh, planetary gear. The first three are areas that Carlos has tremendous passion for, which is persona development, buyer journey development, and content strategy. And a close fourth is channel strategy. You know, the, the, the reason I say close fourth is because the first three is knowing thy buyer. And knowing thy buyer's journey and creating content for them. And then the fourth piece is, how are you going to get that content to them? And Carlos, kick us off. Why, why was it so important that you put those in demand creation and share some of your views in terms of what our listeners need to know uh, in those areas? And whether you're in marketing operations or another discipline, these are essential for demand creation. I think they're essential for sales as well to understand thy buyer. The reason I am so passionate, I, I'm actually going to share a story. One of the reasons I'm so passionate about this, I remember a long time ago, we met with a client 
uh, new client, we engage with them, and the CMO spent the first half hour of this meeting telling us about their new social media strategy that they had spent over six figures on. They brought in an outside group, uh, put all this content on social media. We then started to do the persona development, started to interview their customers one-on-one. And after about the eighth interview, never heard social media. So I started to wonder, like, do these people not use social media? And it wasn't like this was so long ago that social media wasn't uh, all over the place. Well, so then we started to seed the question. Do you use social media in your buying process? Do you use social media to consume content? And one by one by one, they all said no. Well, what this client didn't understand, they were in the contact call center space. And as we started to hear no, we started to ask why. And what we understood is these customer support people looked at social media, as one person said, as the bane of his existence, because it was another channel that people got to complain. And so he said, I hate social media to the point I won't even ever have a Facebook account. And so here we had a client who had spent six figures in a quote unquote social media strategy. If they had just done the work to understand their buyer and how they consume content and what kind of content they consume, they would have saved themselves a significant investment. And it's the proverbial that a a tree fell in the woods and nobody heard it. Mm -hmm. I want to go deeper though. In terms of your background, like for those that don't know you, you're really passionate about this. And when I find someone is so passionate about topics around persona development and buyer journey development, it's because you developed either such a phenomenal expertise for it and helping people and enjoy doing that and or may have had some experiences yourself or observations where a lack of this expertise and application negatively impacted. What, what is it for you or some something else? Because it once you dig deep because you're passionate about it. Yeah, I, w- I would say it's both. And I also, I get very frustrated when I, I hear or I see organizations, other agencies, quote unquote experts, talking about these things. So um, I shared with one colleague today, I said this idea that is marketing groups, we need to become content factories. I absolutely despise that assertion because mm-hmm. we have to understand who are we creating content for first and foremost? Mm-hmm. At what stage of the journey are we creating it? So for instance, if we're selling a high, a high value piece of software, we may have a CIO that kicks off that purchase and gives approval for his team or her team to go do the, the purchase, but they're not involved at every step of the journey. So why are we creating content for a CIO in the middle of the journey? It's ludicrous because they're never going to engage with it. They're never going to consume it. Yeah. But somebody somewhere said, we got to get the attention of the CIO. You got the attention of the CIO when you get the attention of their team. Yep. I, uh, when I wrote Manufacturing Demand, uh, my book on lead management, one of the very first chapters in there was on persona development. And I talk about my experience. You shared a story. I talk about my experience at Ellie Mae when I was their head of marketing back in 2003. And when I, I always had this playbook that if I went to a new company, and I taught this to both of my daughters as well, that when you go to a new company, before you start doing your role, the responsibilities and duties of your role, leave the office and go to the customer's environment. Worst case, talk to them on the phone. And that's exactly what I did. And so in terms of persona development, 
the reason it's number one on demand creation, the reason Carlos is passionate about it, and I support that passion, is because if you do not know thy buyer, you cannot be effective in sales and marketing. That's right. If, if you only get taught about thy buyer from folks within the organization, you're shortchanging yourself because your buyer will tell you stuff that you're not going to find in a PowerPoint or a Word document, especially from going into their environment. And I'll give you a story. And I'm going to and I'm going to share the story with you because the story is about what I learned going into a mortgage broker's office that I never would have learned or probably not have learned unless I had that kind of intimate discussion. So I drive over to mortgage brokerage in Alamo, California. A buddy of mine owned the, the brokerage. He said, Dave, understand you took the job at Ellie Mae. You're coming over today. How do, you, how do you want me to introduce you to the team? I'm like, I don't really want you to. I just want you to tell them that you know my buddy works in the mortgage industry uh, on the software side, and he'd like to meet with some of you during our after our staff meeting and talk to you and just learn a little bit more about what you do. So I remember... Uh, the very first person I talked to was Trudy, and she was a loan processor, maybe still is to this day. So I sit down with Trudy, and I notice in her cube, Carlos, she's got Beanie Babies lining you know, the, the top of her cube, about 50 of them. Wow. And, and I'm like, wow, that's a lot of Beanie Babies. And she goes, yeah, I love collecting them. And just made a note in my book, love collecting Beanie Babies. And I said, tell me about like a day in the life. And I said, this is not a structured conversation. I just want to hear day of the life and maybe observe some of it while I'm sitting here with you for a half hour, an hour. So she tells me about this guy, John. And she goes, see that guy, John over there? He's our top loan officer. That guy is a sales machine. He does more loans, two to three times more loans than anyone else in the organization. And I'm like, yeah. And he goes, and he's a pain in my freaking ass. <laughs> And I'm like, why is that? And she goes, because he comes over to me every hour practically and goes, how's that loan coming? Did you pull credit on Mary? And where's this? And did we get uh, Esther on that? And he bothers me all day long. And the only reason I put up with the shit, she says, is because he is a like, top producing sales rep. And she's like, I get paid every time I complete a loan. And I'm like, ooh, note, she gets paid every time she does a loan. She doesn't like John bothering her during the day. So I go and I interview a couple different mortgage brokers, mortgage brokerages, and I learn about these personas. And so when we started marketing Encompass, our software at Ellie Mae, did we talk about, have you ever had a loan officer come over to your cube and ask you incessantly, like, what's the status of the loan? You won't have to do that with Encompass. Um, and we messaged about the productivity and speed. How would you like to double the number of loans that you can process in a given month? For her, that's like, ding, ding, ding. I can make yeah. as much money. Right. So, so when we wrote up these different personas, the, the mortgage brokerage persona, the loan officer persona, the mortgage brokerage is the owner, and the loan officer is the, essentially the salesperson, and the loan processor, we realized how different these personas were and how different our messaging needed to be. So when we created like a demo of Encompass, you literally could launch the demo on our website and pick door number one, number two, number three, depending on who you were. And we didn't make it so that you only saw that one. We made it that you launched into it. And then if you wanted to see Encompass in terms of the benefit for the broker and the benefit of the loan officer, you could go watch that. And it was very, very powerful. And, and so it led our content strategy um, 
because of the persona development that we had done. We knew to create different content for each of those personas. And, and that's where my passion uh, from it comes. And, and I think the the value in that, and I see so many companies who say, well, we have personas. And you say, okay, so how did you create those? Well, marketing and sales got together and and we, we whiteboarded. And, and what you whiteboarded was a self-fulfilling prophecy. What you just talked about was literally spending time in their shoes. And then you didn't write about what Ellie Mae offered. You wrote about what's going to make their job easier and what appeals to them. You will get the opportunity if you create the right content based on your persona research to pitch your tool, to pitch your solution. But what you just described is another form of personalization where you told anybody in that mortgage business, we get where you're at, we understand what your day-to-day is like, we know what the pain in the ass sales guy does to you. And we also know that for every loan you close, there's more money in your pocket. Yeah. And and I think it's marketers, especially in the demand gen space, that don't take that time. You are literally throwing spaghetti against a wall and hoping something sticks. Yeah. And the, and the key, once these personas are developed developed and doing the right way, and it's it's one of the things certainly that our team helps clients with, it's you develop the persona and it's a written document. You really capture the stories and it, you know, there's so many different templates you can look on the web, like persona template. You'll find a ton of them, you know, do what works for you. Come to us. If you need a template, we've got them. The persona that you create has to be operationalized. So you need to look at that persona and say, how do I, in my marketing automation system and CRM put fields and values so that I can do effective segmentation and targeting. Because if you want to run a campaign, I was talking about Encompass, right? We want to do a campaign for Encompass. Then if we're going to, let's say, as you, as you put, identify our channel strategy, maybe the channel strategy is LinkedIn. And we know that these are loan processors. We know that they're maybe a certain size company. We know maybe that they've been there for a certain tenure. Whatever the variables are of the persona that really make up your ideal customer profile, you have to operationalize those values into fields so that you can do effective targeting for it. And it's it's either one or both of those is where I see so many companies miss. They either create a persona and don't think about operationalizing it, or they create a bunch of you know random acts of field creation with values that you know when you look at their database those fields have like 2% completion ratio. They're not even really enriching or capturing the data uh, that's needed. So even if they had a really good persona, they they uh, they just have a, they don't have a persona, but they have a bunch of fields and don't necessarily know what they're going to use those fields for. And, and nobody's putting in the data. No, you're exactly right. And I would also just add one more caveat. Spend some time to do some secondary research into the industry you're selling to. Find out the trends, find out some of the external things that are happening to your potential buyers and to your customers that are going to impact how they buy, going to impact uh, how they spend their budget. I mean, we are hopefully on the tail end, but, you know, at the beginning of of March, middle of March, everybody was uh, absolutely caught off guard because of COVID-19. How did that impact your buyer? If you're selling to healthcare, my God, you just talk about a disruption. So we don't 
yes, we want to talk to our customers, huge valuable data. We want to talk to our salespeople, but we also need to add that third element of going out into the market. And I'm not talking about doing extensive market research, but go out and do some secondary research. You can use Google and type in some key things, top trends in, and then put in your industry and you will get a wealth of knowledge that help inform how you communicate with your customer throughout the buyer journey. Yeah. The key thing to take away uh, about what Carlos and I are sharing around persona development is how to listen, you know, how to ask questions, but, but more importantly, how to listen and find the customer's pain. And whether, you know, you're tuning into the podcast and you're in sales or marketing or another customer facing role, uh, it's learning how to listen. And I'll give you another example. Recently, we just launched a new service at DemandGen called Marketo Admin Services. And we now have this service for other marketing automation platforms as well. And with the Marketo Admin Service that we launched is it came from a pain point that we kept hearing from our clients. And they used a phrase, we're really short-handed. We're really short-handed. We kept hearing that term. And as we listened and talked about what our clients were saying, like, we have so much on our plate. We are so busy right now. And we are short-handed. And when we asked when they kept saying, what are you busy? And we say, when you're busy, what do you mean? They would say, we're shorthanded. In what areas? Well, um, we kept hearing, I just lost my Marketo admin. Another pain. I just lost my Marketo admin. I have a hiring freeze right now. I can't hire a replacement. Or these people are really hard to find. Or the roles are expensive. So we would write down these pain points in words and they incorporate our persona. And that is what led us not only to create Marketo Admin Service as a managed service for our clients that are shorthanded or don't have a Marketo Admin, but we, you know, the marketing materials really, really talk to that pain point and talk to the challenge that they're trying to address. So this isn't rocket science, it, but it is a discipline. And, and I do encourage anyone in whatever role you're in in marketing and sales to really understand and know thy buyer because it will make you not only that much more effective in your role, but more collaborative with the marketing team as, as you're working on it. I know a lot of you work in companies where your products are very technical. They're not products that you necessarily use or even maybe care to, to know in depth. But if you don't really understand the problems that it solves, it limits, uh, limits your ability. And I know for salespeople, I mean, I would never take a job at a company and work in sales where I wasn't passionate about the product. I mean, at least it's not that I have to be a user, but I've got to be passionate about it. Where does that passion come from? It's hearing how many people have benefited from the use and adoption of that service or, or, or technology. And Dave, I'll also add from a persona development perspective, persona development and journey development go hand in hand to simply have personas and, and not understand how that committee works and the, the major buying milestones that are involved in that journey. And I don't think our friends at Sirius ever intended for them, the way they package the waterfall or the funnel, um, to ever be equated to a buyer's journey. And, you know, anytime I hear somebody say, well, we've got the buyer's journey, it's you know, we, we've got our funnel defined. I have never heard a buyer say I'm in the sales accepted lead stage of my buying process. Yeah. And so we really do ourselves a disservice if we don't chart the journey and then align and understand, as I referenced the CIO in the buying committee before, really understand the different roles and where are the, what are they doing and how are they interacting across that full 
spectrum across that full journey, because that's mm-hmm. what's going to give us the insight into where and how to place the content and, and make it make our demand gen effective. It, it's foundational. If you don't do these three or four things, you're going to really struggle. Yeah. You know what? You know where that came from is when when whether it was serious showing the demand waterfall or other people showing funnels, they took uh, and I'm blanking on the marketing professor that introduced it, but the AIDA awareness, interest, desire, action, the, the four phases of a buying process. And it got drawn on top of the funnel. So you had the funnel, which had like inquiry, MQL, SQL, uh, and, and closed one or closed loss. And it showed above it awareness, interest, desire, action. And I think a lot of people started to say, okay, that funnel indicates what the buying process is, as opposed to what you and I teach and help our clients with, which is that's an inventory system for your database. Um, just like sales has a pipeline and, and sales is pipeline is structured as to very early stage in the buying process. Uh, maybe presentation, demonstration, uh, proposal, negotiation, close. Like there is a structure and process. And yes, every buyer goes through that. They may go through it faster or slower. Maybe some skip a demo, but from the most part, they go from like a stage one opportunity to closed one or not. And in marketing, it's why I always have not been a fan of the term demand waterfall. I I, I couldn't help myself. The reason I have not been a fan of waterfall is because all the water flows from the top to the bottom. And that's Mm -hmm. not reality in marketing. Only about 5% from the bottom uh, arrives at the bottom as closed one. So what Carlos and I, why the reason we're so passionate about this is when people look at the the demand funnel and you have those inquiries, right now, in fact, at Demandion, we have 6,725 inquiries. I know the number because... Yeah, my dashboard's up. Um, All of those inquiries are not going to become MQLs. That's not their buying process. In fact, some of those inquiries will immediately go to sales qualified and jump every other stage inside there because something happened in their environment that they reached out to us. And that's your point is that it's not that they go from stage to stage to stage necessarily. And it's not that it reflects their buying process, which is a very fluid path of education and knowledge. It is awareness, interest, desire, action, but we don't want to imply that everyone is going to go through every stage of the funnel. But if you don't have a demand funnel and you don't put the inventory into it, but we are going to cover demand funnels in great depth when we get into the second D of the D3 methodology, which is demand management. And that's where we dive in deep to demand management strategy, the demand funnel, scoring and nurturing and everything. Way up here at the very top in demand creation, we got to get people to raise their hand. We got to get people to take an interest um, in things. And I, I want to close on a post that I put up this morning on LinkedIn. So by the time you're hearing this, it's up there. So go go to find Dave Lewis on LinkedIn or search YouTube if you want to go directly to it. But you know what I posted, uh, Carlos? It was a compilation video of all of the COVID commercials that ran as soon as COVID hit. Uh, I did some searching and I wanted to make a point because I knew we were going to have this podcast today, which is if your message sounds like everybody else, then you don't have a message. And this compilation of commercials, every single company sounds exactly the same. We care. We're there for you. This uh, unprecedented time, even the piano music, the pacing of it, uh, the slow pacing, the beginning, the fast pacing at the end. 
it's a it's an interesting video to see that even though these commercials came out, you'd almost think like every marketer got together somewhere, which they couldn't, uh, and said, "Hey, what's the recipe for a we care commercial?" Right? <laughs> we got to get out that messaging, and you know, like everybody had the exact same message, which means. Uh, almost nobody had a message. Now, look, I'm not in any way shitting on people trying to come out with a message about we care. I think it is great that companies, especially those that made donations and have been helping and contributing to helping organizations get through the pandemic, bravo. But the point I want to make is your buyer has a persona. You need to figure it out. Um, you need to know what their journey is, what that really looks like. Uh, you need to develop content that is unique and have a content strategy so that they can engage with you and get educated and informed and move through that buying process and know which channels uh, they're using. And Carlos, you said the person who was, you know, shitting on social media. Well, let me tell you, loan processors back in that day, I know they're super active on Facebook. And how do I know that? Because when I went office to office, they got Facebook opened up on their screen as they're working. Uh, and it was fluid and in, inside of their day. And that was how, you know, for their age and demographic, very active on Facebook. So it could be a very effective channel for getting those demos, uh, you know, to them. Carlos, demand creation, absolutely essential. If we don't get net new customers, um, our business does not thrive. Uh, and so demand creation is important. There are 12 initiatives in demand creation that you need to focus on. And if you have not yet downloaded the D3 methodology deck that Carlos and I and the team have put together for you, it's in the show notes. So click that link. Um, Carlos, I think we should be thoughtful. We'd like to give these folks something every time we have an episode. So let's uh, let's put some, some links to either some persona resources or some tool sets that we have there in the show notes so that you guys have a little bit more direction. Can we do that? I think we can. I'll also say, uh, send me an email, carlos.hidalgo at demandgen.com or hit me up on LinkedIn. If you want to send me your personas and then spend half an hour and we'll just walk through them. I'll tell you where I think they may be able to improve. I've been doing this a long time. Dave, you have as well. And it is so foundational. So take me up on that and we'll spend some time walking through them. Yeah. And, and the way we're able to do this is because we only know a certain percentage of you are going to take us up on it. And uh, I want to give a shout out to Carrie Foster, who I chatted with last week, uh, conversations with Jake and Jim, uh, with Rick uh, and, and, and Eric Lewis as well, who we reached out to and said, Eric, you got a big brain. Uh, you've been doing this a long time, well over a decade. We'd like to share the D3 methodology and get your opinion. So the more of you that we talk to, the better we can shape these tool sets and help the entire B2B sales, marketing, customer service um, community uh, do more effective in their role. So thank you guys. Thank you, Carlos, for joining me again today. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. We're going to keep this little mini series within the podcast, just taking you guys through the demand gen's D3 methodology and having conversation. And if you would like to be on the podcast at some point and tell your story, talk about these things, I'm always open to meeting new people and uh, bringing you on to the podcast. And I got some great guests coming up in addition to you, Carlos, always on the program. Uh, so thank you. Hope you guys are getting ready for summer because I think uh, some of the more challenging times are behind us and the best times are ahead. Thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next episode. Take care. You've been listening to Demand Gen Radio, bringing you the top industry experts, thought leaders, authors, marketing technology firms, and senior marketing leaders from around the world to teach you the methods and technologies for high-performance marketing. <laughs>